0: Hi. I just woke up and read your note Not read your note, while I read I also listened to your note Um Fuck First of all I had another shitty day Um I woke up early. Well, okay, so first of all, I've been on dexamethasone since yesterday. I picked up my prescription in the morning. I took my first dose around 11 a.m. Not thinking ahead that I had to take a dose every six hours because I'm on this sort of like low, consistent baseline dose. Just for the record, the dexamethasone, decadron, that's a steroid that the oncology fellow and attending, decided I should take while we're ruling out whether I have a spine or brain tumor that's affecting my right hand numbness. And I even asked, like, do I really have to? Because I hate being on steroids. It's such a fucking roller coaster. Um, But they were like, well, yeah, it would make us feel better. So, yeah. Sidebar, as I hear Percy meowing. I really appreciate that that you like me as a character. I think that that's something I always try to work on when I'm lecturing especially, and it really always means a lot to me when people come up to me after a, I give a talk or if I'm teaching in a class, and they're like, that was oh, you're so great. Like You're so entertaining. I even got a comment this summer because I was running the this seminar series um, and doing all the intros for everybody. And I really hate it when people introduce speakers and just make a list of laundry list of accomplishments from their CV, like 12 papers, such and such award has this grant, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm really conscious of it, especially when introducing men versus women um, or trainees versus more senior people. What do we really want to know about this person? I want to know personal detail, like what's their origin story a little bit, like in a couple sentences, and then what's their research all about? What's going to be the hook that makes this a really cool person to hear from? And I got a comment that I was so proud of. Like someone came up to me randomly another day and said, you know, your introductions during the seminar series were just so engaging I was like, yes, accomplished. But that was a sidebar. Um, So I'm glad to be a character. And I also found it really funny when I was listening to all my voice notes that Percy's always in the background talking (laughs) because that's, that's just my life. That's how my life is right now. So back to my shitty day. So I've been on steroids since yesterday morning, taking a dose every six hours. So my phone, I had to set my phone alarm to go off because otherwise I would totally forget. And I'm already behind by like 45 minutes cumulatively over the course of today. So as this worked out, yesterday I had the initial response to steroids, which is, holy shit, energy, superhuman feeling. Um which is a, an identity that I bristle against. I am in no way a superhuman. I'm merely a human trying to make sense of what's going on to me and my body. But if you're on four milligrams of dexamethasone every six hours, sure, you could feel superhuman temporarily. So hence my leaving early, doing the yoga Meditating, getting a lot of stuff crossed off my to-do list. I confirmed all my travel plans with everybody and where I'm staying next week in New York. I even made a reservation for dinner on Tuesday night and got everything set up. Um, And then, so I was like, go, 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 go until like 11.30 p.m. And then I took my evening dose and then I lay down to go to bed. And my heart was racing, and I was like, yeah, I thought I was being super focused because of all my meditation and yoga, but really it's just these fucking medications that I'm taking. And then I couldn't fall asleep at all. So I tried listening to a bunch of different podcasts, but I couldn't focus on anything, so I was just lying around. Until 3, 3.30 a.m., finally I passed out. And then, of course, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. to take my next dose. This is how our lives really get, like interfered with by treatment as opposed to the primary illness which is a point I would like to come back to and I think I have mentioned before it's like I don't feel my cancer I feel what I'm doing to try to counteract my cancer and this is the line that we walk in making treatment decisions and when something is worth it versus not worth it so I'm exhausted and then I slept through my alarm and my scan today my cervical slash upper thoracic spine MRI was at 7 30 so, I was running late. Sarah was going to meet me there, so I basically had to just like have a quick shower and throw on some clothes and then run down to the clinic. And of course, I arrive and I'm soaking wet and sweating because it's already hot. It's seven fifteen, seven thirty a.m. in Florida. Um, have the MRI. It's fine. Had a really nice conversation with Sarah. After, we went and walked through the meditation garden where I usually sit alone and process my appointment experiences. That's where I called you last time after my oncology appointment. That's where I spent the whole afternoon after I found out my, my diagnosis after my liver biopsy in April. And so we first we just talked about uh, the outline I was working on for my job application for my research statement and then I really wanted to just bring up again my what's on my mind about making these decisions about continuing to work versus not and like how am I going to know when it's time to stop just so that I'm really open with her about it and I want to communicate about that point a lot because I don't I think I'm going to be self-aware enough to know if it's time to stop I don't want to put the burden on someone else having to tell me, okay, you're compromising the work. This is a point where you're not you're not really a functional member of the team anymore. You can't integrate. You can't manage people effectively. For your sake and for everyone's sake, it's best if you step down. I don't wanna to have to be told that, so I feel kinda of like hypersensitized towards keeping track of that ability. Um, And so I told her the whole story about my, like, I think we talked about this when I was in Toronto, about my particular medical experience during my last appointment, and then some conversations I had after about the responsibilities of the doctor in the moment, um, whether they were able to continue providing the care that I needed in that, that way. And it brought up for me that exact feeling, like... You know, is someone going to have that conversation behind my back at some point in the next year? Be like, yeah, you know, Sarah, she's just, like, she used to work 100 hours a week, and then she started working 80 hours a week, and then all of a sudden she was only working 50 hours a week, and then, like, she's only in two days a week? Like, what's going on? Like, that's basically the slippery slope of being a postdoc or an academic in general. So, blah, 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 blah. That was this morning I came into the lab and did a couple things I needed to do and then I was basically just forced to leave and let um, my student take over and I went to therapy and felt super in control of my narrative and we were talking about Buddhism and meditation and these sort of like contrasts in what I've been feeling in the past few days. How I was noticing this productivity that came out of the steroids, but then also noticing that after my acupuncture treatment on Friday over the weekend I had a lot of energy as well and that I could more directly attribute to the opening up of the acupuncture treatment and sort of detoxifying and clearing out energy and I spent um quite a few hours over the weekend cleaning out all my closets and just getting rid of old clothing that I've been hanging on to since grad school that is sort of like my suit that I bought for my initial master's defense that doesn't fit me anymore and frankly I wouldn't wear it anymore because it's not the style that I would just pick for myself Um, but I didn't want to give it away because I thought I would need it for job interviews but now guess what I'm at that point of job interviews and it's time to clear out the old things and Just accept that sometimes you need new things. That's sort of a theme. So I had therapy and then I went to the grocery store and then I came home and I just crashed so hard. Today is tired day. Um, So I basically got no sleep. So I managed to put something in my mouth, eat some food, and then I fell asleep. And my whole plan for the afternoon, which I have like an eight point to do list of the little broken down tasks that I need to do before I can decide which school to apply to, to answer your text question. I still don't know which school I'm going to apply to this week because I didn't even get to the first part of that task, which was going back to my list of jobs to see which has the first due date um, and which one would be the highest priority. So stuck a little pin in that. So the source of then the additional shittiness is I woke up in the afternoon and they had posted my radiology note from my uh, spine MRI from this morning. I'm just going to read it because this is the the best way to convey this information. Just a sec here. Um, Note from the oncology fellow. Sorry, this is 5.17 p.m. Hi, Sarah. Here's your cervical MRI. There's a 1.3 centimeter lesion seen, but it doesn't correlate with your symptoms. I love these surprises. That's my editorial note. This is back like when I found out I had a brain tumor. Oh, we're going to do a CT scan of your head because you're having this symptom on your left eye. What do we find? You have a tumor, but it's behind your right eye. Huh. Okay, anyways, uh... I showed this to Dr. Stahl. We will be watching for the MRI brain in the AM because I have to go back tomorrow morning to do my brain scan. Okay, here we go. Result impression. Point number one. I like these radiologists who make bullets as I commented earlier. Point number one. There is a 1.3 centimeter soft tissue mass in the left, all caps, also appreciates using text text highlighting to emphasize and clarify points. That's a good thing I picked up in my grant writing training. Soft tissue mass in the left all caps, neural foramen at the C3C4 level, the cervical vertebra three, cervical, vertebra four, I'm assuming the interface between those two vertebra, which remodels and widens the neural foramen. That means the tumor is pressing on this foramen and changing it. That's a point that's of concern. Given the patient's history of multiple malignancies, including metastatic sarcoma and retinoblastoma, this is favored to reflect an additional new primary lesion, new type of cancer, such as neurofibroma, which I looked up and is actually normally a benign tumor. However, Metastatic disease cannot be excluded, though it's considered less likely. That's what they always say. Point number two, no evidence of bony metastatic disease. That's good. In particular, there's no metastatic lesion within the T1 vertebral body, which I think I mentioned in a past note. That was what we had picked up in the scans from August 11th. In review of prior reports, i.e., from August 11th, it's appears the prior MR abdomen dictation from August 11th erroneously, let's not mince our words, states a lesion in the T1 vertebral body when the bony lesion seen on this exam is actually located in the T12 vertebral body. So, so there is still a lesion. It's just they reported it's in the wrong part of my spine. T12 is much lower. Thoracic 12, that's like way down my lower back. Which now I'm wondering is if does that explain part of my lower back pain? Huh? Good question. Scientist. Point number three: no findings are seen to explain the patient's rights. All caps, cited, hand numbness and tingling. Acuity level two: non-routine. Minor already known, not significantly changed. Unlikely to result in significant short-term morbidity. I always appreciate knowing I'm not going to die in the next two weeks. That's comforting. So I got this note, and I was just like, uh, completely nothing. Like where I had an emotional response on Sunday after talking to oncology, and I recorded that note after I, Spent a couple hours sleeping and processing that. Today I just can't deal with this. I'm just... Like I just lay on the couch and feel totally numb. So the first thing I did was I looked up which peripheral nerves come out from cervical vertebra three and cervical vertebra four Oh, convenient. That's uh, innervation of the diaphragm. If you have injury or lesion to these cervical vertebra, patient risks, full paralysis, quadriplegia, need to be on ventilator because innervation of diaphragm is compromised. Oh, that's so lighthearted. Um, so that I sat with for like half an hour. <laughs> think because, because okay so the lesion is like 1.3 centimeters and it says usually not of a concern until two centimeters um, when you would have to think about intervening and maybe like decompressing the pressure on the foramen having surgery to reverse the effects of the lesion so then I looked up a little bit more about this intersection like the space between the c3 and c4 the foramen that they allude to in the radiology report and I guess it's rather common um, in people as they get older for that vertebral space to compress if your spinal cord becomes a little bit like ossified and um, or if you get a slip disc people will naturally have compression of that segment and actually one of the things they recommend is just uh, taking NSAIDs like ibuprofen uh, physical therapy, and gentle yoga, which I laughed at because my initial impulse when I got this news was I canceled my yoga class that I had booked for tonight. I was going to go to yoga, and then I was lying on my couch, and I just couldn't face like going out in the world again and getting in an Uber and being around people when I just feel so depleted, even though I would be going to practice yoga. I couldn't even bring myself to practice yoga alone. And here's the internet telling me gentle yoga could help my C3, C4 neural foramen and compression. So. so I haven't talked to any doctors. I'm going to wait and get my brain scanned tomorrow and then probably hear from these oncology docs again. And then I'm going to email my neurosurgeon and see what she thinks. like, what if I have a brain tumor? What if I have another brain tumor? How am I going to feel tomorrow? What's the decision? This is just how I keep having these boundaries pushed. And every day brings a new type of weighing of evidence or like considering of data and considering of my own feelings. And I was talking in therapy today about listening to that first episode of the happier with Seb, as you refer to her, Mike. Seb Selassie. And one of the things that really struck me from what she said is that she really took time after getting her first diagnosis. She took time off from work and really worked on space to heal taking care of her body I'm assuming she she alluded to the fact she did a lot of alternative therapy before she started the intensive chemo regimen on her breast tumor but it hit me like wow I really have not made a priority of doing that up until now I've been trying to keep everything going in my work life um, as per usual And only now have I started to scale back and ramp up the hours, like actual physical time spent in a given day working with my body, whether it's meditating or stretching or sleeping, feeding myself, making voice notes, writing, contemplating. And I see with each of these little new snippets of information that I get or new tumors that I become aware of or that are mistakenly reported to me and then corrected in subsequent scans, you need a fucking lot of space to just allow that to settle in your mind, consider the ramifications, and then incorporate it into your narrative. So say I have a brain tumor. What matters about that? Well, it's good to know. Um, Does it change what I'm going to do next week? Does it change what I'm going to do tomorrow? Can I do four surgeries on my rat brains tomorrow? Um, You know, there's nothing stopping me. I'm still just as able to function. I still don't feel my cancer But what's the point where you have too much knowledge and you just, you can't deal with it? I mean, hopefully I can continue to adapt and give myself the space to deal with it. But I'm a little worried that there's a breaking point. Anyways, still kind of reeling from this whole thing. Frustration would be an emotion that I'm feeling. I was listening to your note with Mike, and I made a whole list of things that I wanted to respond to briefly. I am ver- I like that you listen to my notes as a podcast, because I kind of think of that as this exchange now. Love letters, as you say. I like the idea of going back and forth. I think it's, it's a natural way for this story to happen. But I'm also mindful of Mike alluding to the fact that his average podcast listening is now down to two minutes per day. So I really make an effort to keep things brief. But obviously, in some cases, I just can't get everything in in that amount of time. So this is going to be a longer one. So sorry, but on average, right, you know, balances out. Uh, One thing I want to say is, Mandy, I think your podcast is really great. I listened to an episode, you can like cut this out. But the interview that you posted with you, it was fine. But I think your podcast is in general a lot more engaged. And I think you're better at talking to people. Just my hashtag subtweet. Two cents. Uh, one really exciting thing I started doing tomorrow is I started recording voice notes just for myself. So at the beginning of the voice note, I, start, I sign on and I'm like, date voice note exclusively for me not intended to be sent to Mandy although of course I'll share them with you if you want but I was working on outlining my first my research statement for my job application and then I outlined my first essay like the real essay that I want to put into my book, my theoretical book which is on the theme of drag and ways in which drag has sort of been brought into popularity by RuPaul in the past few years and like how that's become something that's raised awareness of issues of queerness and transgender um, culture and gender identity in current society. But also I feel like it's touched my life a little bit in feeling othered by my appearance growing up and then becoming a young adult and like emotionally maturing and becoming more confident with my appearance and then also in having cancer. So I, I was working on that a bit and felt good to kind of get some thoughts down on that in voice memo form. So again, Mandy, your influence is touching me in the ways of using a new format of record keeping uh, for my for all aspects of my life and I even figured out how to sync my voice notes with my notes on my new laptop and it's really helpful I, I love it, Like I'm just obsessed so that's one thing and then it made me think about how are we going to introduce me to the Mandyland world and one thought I had yesterday was it's September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month And I would really like for parts of this story or this whole story to be something I can share with the retinoblastoma community because they have an active social media presence that's part of their initiative on raising retinoblastoma awareness and trying to bring more people into the retinoblastoma research registry and community across Canada and hopefully with my influence and prodding, I kind of want to get people to include the rest of North America and the States since there's such a small number of patients overall anyways. But one thought, should my first episode be a conversation with you where we talk a little bit about my history and just introduce who I am, explain what my early childhood cancer experience was and how that sort of Setting the stage for everything that's happening in my life now. I think that could make sense. Be happy to do that. Um, I don't want to be super dry, but I think explaining the difference between having a genetic mutation that you carry that predisposes you to certain tumors as opposed to having a sort of spontaneous more common cancer like breast cancer, which is the one you read about so much, um, or that young adults in our demographics seem to be most susceptible to, um, that, and I know quite a few guys who have had colon cancer actually in their forties. That might be another one that's more common. Lung cancer seems to come up a lot. Um, Thyroid cancers come up a lot. And just sort of differentiating these singular primary tumors that can arise, as opposed to what does it mean to have a mutation in an oncogene that then predisposes to tumors growing all over your body, and the idea of rare cancer and being a special case, and how that's something that's kind of central to my experience right now. I could talk about that type of thing. Um but yeah, I feel like it's time. We should like publish something soon. I don't know what your plans were for your next episode or if you have a scheduled uh unrolling of your uh content. I know you're gonna talk about an intro to mindfulness, so maybe that's what you have up next. But but let's let's discuss this. I wanna formalize a plan because I want to share this with some particular family members. I can see how that would be helpful now. I've been talking more to other people. Okay, let me go back to my notes. Stay on track here. Sarah, um, your podcast is better. Being on dexamethasone, no sleep. Scan. Oh, yeah. The other thing I've been feeling a lot when I go into these periods of total just despondency is my impulse is to nest or fill empty space and it's a very different feeling than what I was feeling yesterday which is productivity and accomplishing work or organization or cleaning closets and like clearing space being productive with mindfulness doing positive things today I was just like in my exhaustion I went to the grocery store I was just like, I felt like I was buying stuff. Like, first of all, I'm having a student, a former student of mine over for dinner on Friday with her sister who moved to, to Gainesville to start grad school recently. And another student was going to come too. So, so I was like just buying food to make for them and making sure I have enough stuff. So that felt a little bit too indulgent based on my normal habits of how I shop for myself in the first place. But then later on in the day after I got the news about my scan and I was just like, oh, what am I? Like, I need to distract myself. I need to fill this mental void. And one thing that I've kind of prided myself on since I moved to the States to do my postdoc and just got rid of most of my earthly possessions is that I don't have any forks. Well, I have two forks. (laughs) Because when you move and you ship all your stuff in a Rubbermaid bin and you don't really pack it properly all of my dishes broke when I moved to New York. So I had to buy some like plastic plates and I just, I basically have had two or three bowls to use for myself throughout this experience. And then again, when I moved to New York, from New York to Florida, I gave away most of my dishes and all my glasses and stuff because I figured what's the point of having them just break and paying to ship them. If I'm just going to get a bucket full of broken glass arriving on my doorstep. And so since living in Florida, I've had two bowls, I had two wine glasses, two um, rocks glasses for drinking whiskey, and I even had two little nice scotch glasses that I had saved from Toronto that I think were left in my first apartment. And since then, one of each of those glasses has either disappeared or broken, so I only have one of each of those glasses left. And then I have one pint glass that actually I stole from a restaurant in Chicago, when we went to SFM there for the first time. That's my one class that has survived all this way. And somehow, along the lines between moving from Toronto, I took cutlery that had been mine, but all the cutlery when you live with roommates gets coalesced and then you sort of grab what you think is yours. And somehow, I only ended up with three dessert forks when I left Toronto. And then when Ben came to live with me in New York, he brought two forks, two or three forks of his own, which I incorporated into my collection because he was generous and left them with me. But now since then, I've lost one of those. So I really only have two forks in my apartment, and one of them I take with me to eat lunch usually. So on any given evening, there's only one fork in my apartment. And when you're thinking about having three people over for dinner, it gets a little complicated if you're going to serve pasta. Like normally I would just give people a spoon, but then I was like, I'm tired of accommodating my minimalism and I want to entertain people. So I went on Amazon and I ordered an actual full set of cutlery for $46 and it felt so indulgent. But it was like I just needed to fill that gap and like fill that empty space I was feeling and I bought cutlery. I have money now like I just it's hard because I don't want to spend the money but at the same time I was like I'm sick of just washing my one fork every time I need to eat something with a fork it bothers me the most when I make eggs because I have to beat the eggs first and they're raw eggs and we've had this conversation about getting salmonella poisoning from eggs so I really have to wash the fork thoroughly before then I eat the cooked eggs after using anyways This is boring. Filling empty space. The other occasion where I felt today like I was filling empty space is this. Again, feeling despondent, but so hungry from being on dexamethasone, because after you get over the initial nausea of taking the pill, then you're like, oh, God, I feel queasy. I need to just put something in my belly. So... I just threw a whole bunch of like frozen cauliflower and Indian curry sauce into this frying pan and I just ate a whole bunch of food. And I just like compulsively ate food, trying to, to satisfy some unknown desire, like feel complete. It's very different from the way I was eating yesterday, which was like appreciating every bite of salmon that I had and every piece of asparagus. This is just like, go away feelings. I don't want to have you feelings. Crazy swings and contrasts in the type of emotions. Also today, I was feeling really let down by my doctors. (sighs) Like, I know I'm not going to get accurate. There's just so much going on in my medical history. There's no way that one person or, like, a team of people yet could keep track of every detail. but, But, like... Having a typo in your radiology report, T1 versus T12, that's kind of a big difference. I'm just going to leave it at that. I think I'm going to stop. It's getting it's late. I should try to sleep again, although I think my dex is kicked in. And I might just be lying here trying to decide on a podcast to listen to for the next few hours. Thanks. It was nice to hear your articulation of the the meaning of hearing these thoughts. You did tell me, Mandy, about your experience on that Friday after Mike's appointment, how everything just kind of came to a head, and you felt like overwhelmed, and you went for the walk with Lindsay. I remember that. But from both of you, yeah, I totally agree. like, what's the point of not sharing this? This is what life is all about. And I get it that I really believe that you find this interesting. You want to know what's going on in my mind. The same way that I want to know how you guys are going through the experience of being a partnership and learning that Mike has a tumor. And Mandy, what your perspective is on that. Even though you're much more resistant, even in your first conversation that you published with Mike, you don't want to talk about your feelings, Huh? maybe we should work on that um because i want to know more about what you're feeling as you feel comfortable and i like i brought up for me today again because i felt like sarah had a bit of an emotional breakthrough after we were talking about me negotiating this boundary of when i'm gonna know if I need to stop working and she started crying and she's like god this is so unhelpful but I was like no this is I mean I'm so glad because this is an emotional thing it's not something to suppress having a postdoc having to say you know I might have to abort my career before I make this final step of getting my job like that's really shitty I would cry if I hadn't spent all day yesterday meditating on it (laughs) So I'm glad that we can talk about this. I'm glad that you find it heart-filling. I like that. (laughs) I do too. Every aspect of it. It really means a lot to me to have both of you in my mind as I talk to you every day on these notes. I like being able to feel free to sit down and share even if we're not on skype or talking on the phone directly it's almost even more rewarding because i have the ability to go on tangents and mind wander get things off my chest so thank you I'm gonna leave it at that for this early morning september 6 2018 I'll get back to you on what job I decide to apply to if I get to that today, to be determined. Okay, love you both. I love you, animals, jets, and pickles. Percy signing off here. Ciao.